Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Underhood Show presented by Mel Hamilton Ford. My name is Phil Nightingale and Josh Prophet. Morning, Josh. Good morning. Sunny and 70 out there today, isn't it? it Something is, like that. Uh, sunny and 70 plus. Let's call it that. <laughs> she is a little tight out there, as you call it. So, uh, hey, anyway, uh, it's a call-in show. Uh, 316-462-3673. Anything ailing your car, tires, brakes, batteries, anything ailing your car. Love to hear from you. Love to answer your questions. Love to help you understand your car better. Most importantly, though, you get a great package, about over 130 bucks. And as always, Josh, what's in that package? Uh, so we're going to mail it out to you, but it's going to consist of the works, which is an oil change and tire rotation. Uh, we use Motorcraft oil and filter products here at Mel Hamilton Ford. Uh, while we're performing that, we're going to uh, complete a multi-point inspection on that vehicle, checking over the brakes, uh, tire, steering, suspension, all the safety-related components on the vehicle, making sure that it's uh, ready to go for that next 5,000 miles of driving. You'll also receive yourself $10 to Mel's Diner so you can get yourself something to eat and drink while you're here with us at the big corner. Complete nitrogen for your tires so you get all the great uh, benefits that nitrogen has to offer. And then a BG products package, which consists of a can of MOA or motor oil additive for your engine oil. And then CF5 for your fuel system. Again, just getting that vehicle geared up and ready to go for the next 5,000 miles of driving. All right, let's get the phones ringing. 316-462-3673. That's the number that dials right into the front desk. Tell the girls there answering the phone you want to get patched in the podcast. We'll get you on there here and see what's up on your mind about going on in the automobile world. Josh, we got a lot of things to talk about with everything going on at the store where we were at earlier this week. Yeah. So let's get things fired off. And as always, good morning, Jeff. Good morning, Delbert. And uh, everybody, thanks for watching and tuning in. But uh, Josh, let's first start with uh, where we went Sunday. Yeah, so Sunday we went to the Ford uh, grassroots meeting. Uh, so it's uh, basically they they do this uh, once a year, and it's to talk about you know kind of business plans for for the following year, and then what's new to come, and get to see uh, uh, new products if they if they so choose to let you see that. So we were able to to get to get to view some of that. So very exciting on uh, what's to come out there for sure. Yeah, we do got some, uh, I will say it's probably the most new products that I've seen in a show. I wish we could have got up more close and yeah. you know, went around them a little bit more and everything else too from that part. But uh, 24 F-150, uh, kind of a refresh truck coming. Uh, what do you think of the tailgate? We got a split tailgate coming. Yeah, um, you know, I, seeing it there at the show and then uh, seeing it in person and being able to you know, touch it, feel it, operate it, stuff deal. like that, maybe make a little bit of a different deal. I'm on the tailgate side for me. I'm not really, uh, yeah. you know, I'm not really, I, I don't know is that we need that, but also like adapt. I mean, I think of so many <laughs> things that came out that's like, I'm not sure we really need that. And then in six months, it's like, man, where are you at if you don't have that? You yeah. Know? So uh, the truck looked good. Uh, we got so many people were there. We uh, missed our time to go take the Blue Cruise Drive, which is the 1.2 yeah. version. Uh, would have loved to have done that to see how much better it is. And lane turning, um, turns, I mean, when you turn lanes now, it stays in, engaged with you and stuff. And so we missed that sort of thing. But uh, still, okay, so we've seen the 24F150, the refresh. we got a caller coming in too, yep. right, Josh? Yep. We'll get him on the air here shortly. Are you so, ready? Yep, yep. We can go to the line. Let's talk to Colin. Uh, Colin, you're live with Under the Hood. Hey guys, love your show. Been listening to it for years, and I've been a, a customer of Mel Hamilton for a long time. I uh, have a 2007 Toyota Corolla that I get oil changed every five thousand. Everything's you know, hanging in there at 135,000 miles. Uh, but just the other day, not only did a check engine light came on, but something I've never seen before. It said maintenance requested or required, maybe. But it, it, you know, a little tiny light that came on. I've never seen that before. Maintenance required. Yeah, so depending upon what the what the codes are in the system, uh, there may be uh, like an emissions related uh, issue um, along with that check engine light. Uh, you know, there's a lot of times where <coughs> where a, a sensor breaks in a system, and that sensor shares data to two different subsystems. So, for example, like a oh, like a speed sensor. Uh, the transmission needs that speed sensor to determine output gearing or gear ratio. And so that could give you a check engine light, but also that speed sensor shares information with the ABS. And so it may give you an ABS light as well. And so you get a couple of different lights going on. And so I'm guessing whatever is, whatever's broke or whatever is at fault, uh, I'm guessing it shares 
information uh, um, amongst a couple of different subsystems of that vehicle uh, would be my guess. And so calling the car, does it seem to run any different or drive any different or anything like that? Not really. I just recently had uh, some transmission work done. And the day after the transmission went out, which I got fixed, uh, the day after I got fixed, I mean, uh, the starter went out. So it's brand new as well. So it's running just fine. Gotcha. Okay. Well, it the cores, you know? Yeah, so really what needs to happen is uh, there needs to be a, a diagnostic uh, performed on that uh, on those lights and just see exactly what's going on or what's causing it. But there there could be a, a you know, a long list of things uh, that that are making it do that. Uh, but until <clears throat> until we're able to to do a diagnostic on it, you really wouldn't know exactly what's going on with it. And so uh, for calling into the show today, we'll we'll add that onto your package uh, at no charge to you and take a look at that that light and see exactly what's going on with it for you. Appreciate it, sir. After spending almost a thousand dollars on the car, I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, I just hope it's not something related to one of those two repairs. Too. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, I mean, yeah, so me we, too. Yeah, I appreciate your help, gentlemen. Thanks. Thank so, you, Colin. Yep, we'll get that added onto your package and sent out to you. Okay. All right. Thanks again. Stay out of the heat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You too. Thanks for the call. Bye. Bye. All right. Three one six four six two three six seven three. Let's keep the phones ringing. Love to hear from you. Give you that great prize package about over one hundred thirty bucks for each and every caller. So let's. Rock and roll. So anyway, uh, 24 F-150 refresh looked good. Split tailgate. Who knows what's going to happen? Until we see it in person, too, it might be a different ballgame. So and I'm think. wondering, too, uh, you know, is that going to be an option or is that going to be the standard gate? Or I would assume like the just like the tailgate step. You're you're into options to get to that level would be my guess. But, I, you know, I don't, who knows? Um, yeah. But it what I will say was definitely unique about it is it also, you know, it was a drop tailgate or you could open it as a, uh, you yeah. know, as a, uh, basically like a hatch door or side door. Um, so it'll be unique to see, see that in operation, uh, for sure. Yep, exactly. So then we got to see the next thing up was the, uh, Ranger Raptor. Yeah. Uh, I think that's really a cool truck. Uh, problem. I think with it, Josh, I don't think you're going to, uh, build enough of them for the demand i got everybody in the world calling me wanting to order one of those and so far we've yeah, got so one i was curious if you had kind of allocation or if they you won't tell me that was going to be or they will not tell me how many we're going to get i beg and pleaded everything else to, so i don't want to take a whole bunch of orders and i can't get the trucks for the people and get the expectations the wrong way or whatever either but uh yeah <clears throat> so anyway moving down the line going down the list there on the stage the next so one the was the uh maverick the lowered maverick yeah uh, they, they like an ST line is what I would call it, but I don't yeah. know that they ne necessarily had an official name for it yet, but it was, you know, it looked like a street truck. To yeah. Me. It looked pretty cool lowered. I didn't like the wheel that was on it, but that's, that's yeah, kind of a debatable battle too, with what that tuner area is or whatever from that yeah. part. But, uh, that was pretty cool to see that. And then they brought out a Lobo, which I didn't know what Lobo meant in Spanish, which yeah, is Wolf. I, I didn't was, know that either. Uh, uh, I, I kept thinking he said logo. <laughs> I was like, why the hell would they name it a logo truck? But, uh, yeah. And that truck looked really different. I mean, it's a uh, crew cab lowered down, built off the uh, XLT package, right? Mm -hmm. yep. And 5.0 motor, dual exhaust, and some a real funky looking grill. I mean, yeah, the, it had the, the light bar in, inside kind of, of there in so. the grill uh, for sure. And I don't know. I mean, I it, I think that will be a popular uh, popular truck. I do too. I really, it, do. it fits right in that niche where, and they showed the pricing of the truck right in the mid fifties, and that's just an area gap that we have from the XL and XXT. STX to the XLT, so I think it'll fit right in there. I don't. I the truck looked pretty cool. I thought. Yeah. I, I did really like the truck and, from that part. And uh, so anyway, going on down the line, the next one was the. Uh, I got to clear over on the left side. So of the, the Bronco Sport was the next one. Uh, Bronco Sport. And then they were talking about how that was going to be available in the uh, Sasquatch. Package, gonna put a Sasquatch package on which it. Which I yeah. thought, uh, yeah, you know, aesthetics. Uh, we didn't get to see that. We got to see pictures of it. The pictures looked very, very. Uh, appealing for sure um you know i think that the bronco sport in my opinion i, I think it's uh, very similar to the escape uh, built on the same kind as, of yeah. yeah and it's um it really gave it more of a rugged more of a rugged look more of a, a durable look instead of just like a, a city vehicle basically yeah when you add those uh, other packages to there it. were some rumors about a hybrid bronco sport but they didn't talk about that at all uh, so i don't know yeah. I, I don't 
I think people love to see that hybrid in the Bronco sport, but the problem I think it is they can't build enough of the Mavericks in the hybrid version. So I don't know how they'd ever come up and put a hybrid into the Bronco sport, but I do think it's cool. I think it's something they should build. I really do. I think it would be a, a neat feature and everything else like that. But I was really shocked that they didn't, after the press I've seen out there on it, uh, I figured it would be some knowledge about it, but there wasn't. Again, it's a matter of, you know, being able to, the want or the desire to want to produce something and then just the ability to be able to produce it may not be there. You know, you can't, can't promise something you can't produce, I guess, or yeah. don't want to do that anymore. Yeah. So then they showed us the uh, expedition, which a refresh on the expedition. And again, couldn't see very much of what they did there or whatever. I thought, but I'm uh, thinking that's a 25 model. I don't think that's 24. It'd be hard pressed at this point, I think. To me too, for sure. So I don't think that's what they're showing. They tease us too far now. They didn't tell us what year or anything about that. But uh, and I would say too, out of uh, out of all of them uh, that we've seen on the stage, I thought that expedition was probably the most change. I don't know. Would you yeah, venture to guess agree with that, that too? too? Yeah, agree with that too. Uh, there was one more down there. What do we? What am I? Uh, so we, I think. Was there? Oh, the Bronco. Yeah, the the full size Bronco. Bronco. They're coming up with a luxury. Bronco to compete with the high-end Jeeps mm-hmm. and the high-end uh, Land Rover, Land Rover. Stuff. but uh, yeah. that'll be interesting to see what that thing costs and where it's at, because, you know, we're in the $90,000 <laughs> with the uh, Raptor Bronco, so it'll be interesting to see where that falls into play and where they're at and, and what kind of production model they'll be, and they're talking about all these high-end materials and everything inside the inside the Bronco and stuff, which, you know, I can see that, but I don't, we'll see. It's going to be, see what, like they say, there's a butt for every seat, right? Well, and so to me, you know, I will say that I think Ford, you know, steps out of the box a little bit on all their different sub models, um, yeah. you know, uh, and, and, you know, just to be different or unique, they do have a lot of different designs, but from a, from a production standpoint, I think the easier path would be to simplify it, give you less options and produce it. They keep talking about, they're going to do that, Josh. <clears throat> and the only place I've seen that happen so far is, They've streamlined some of the options on the Super Duty and a little bit on the F-150, but not near enough, I don't think, uh, from that part. They are doing what we call, what they call a rapid replenishment trucks. And basically, I just got to go in. I don't get to pick anything. They're just going to say, here's what we think you need based off the sales in your area, what you sold, and here's the trucks. Do you want them or you don't? I just got to click a button and accept. Of course, I'm taking everything I can take. Yeah, sure. Uh, so <clears throat> they're doing that on the Escape. They're doing it on the Bronco Sport in the edge and uh explore and so the f-150 is the next one they're going to do that with and I, i'm excited for that because i think that is the way to build the trucks and not have to have so many options and here's your truck if you want something different what these stock units are then then order the truck so when you get those trucks i mean are they all going to be very similar similarly uh equipped just different kind of color options or what i've seen so far what they'll do is for example let's let's take uh uh, Bronco Sports. I've kind of played with that a little bit, you know, because you've got the, uh, I got to get all these models in my head from that, but you, they'll give you each trim level uh-huh. and tell you how many you got or whatever. Now, the, there's a couple times they'll let me take, like on Explorer, on XLT and Limited, they'll say, okay, you can have three of each, but you can do two and uh, two and four or one and six or one and five or whatever and pick your options there. But not very often does that happen. But, uh, yeah. And then you don't, you can not color, you don't get a pick. And any other options you don't pick, you just pick your trim level and how many of those oh, you really? want at that yeah. trim level, and then they build them. Uh, and they're trying to do that based off of what they see selling, what we've sold and what's selling around in our area to know how to build those vehicles that way. And I think it'll help, you know, lean the production line up enough to help with some of these options and things. There's some, they say out there that the, uh, I lost my deal, Josh. Your audio. There, there you go. Anyway, they say that. Basically, all the options on a car that a customer really only uses 20% of them. Really? Whether that's a true one or not, I don't know if that's true or not either from that part. So, uh, we'll see how that – I'd love to see the F-150 get in there on that rapid replenishment because that's the one we order the most and spend the most time on and everything else, trying to dial that in right correctly and everything else too. So, anyway, uh, what else did we – so the other thing we've seen, <clears throat> I got a caller coming in. We'll okay. get to get to them. In fact, let's uh, let's go to the phones and let's talk to Marissa. Marissa, you're on live with Under the Hood. Hello, this is Marissa. Yeah, you're on live with Under the Hood. Okay, 
Um, so I heard you guys were talking about, you know, new cars and the different types of trim levels. And I guess what I'm kind of wondering is, is I have a 2007 Ford Focus and it runs great. It's at about 220,000 miles, but I kind of worry because I keep up with its maintenance, but I wonder when is the time to get a new one and when is, how long do you think that you should just keep putting in the small fixes versus upgrading to a newer car? Marissa, I think that's a that's a great question. I was having this uh, conversation uh, with an individual yesterday, uh, you know, in regards to the same thing. But at at some point, you, in in my opinion, and I don't know, Phil, you can kind of chime in on this, but you really have to think about the resale value of that vehicle, and then. <clears throat> You know, the resale value is driven by what's that car worth to the next consumer. And, you know, although that ve- the vehicle that you may have may be in excellent condition and uh, nothing really mechanically wrong with it, but the next consumer looking at that vehicle at 230,000 miles is going to be extremely hesitant at it. You know, and so I think, you know, we can talk about trade cycles uh, quite a bit, but just at some point you drive all the value out of your vehicle. Yep. Okay. I'm going to give you my two cents on it real quick. Uh, Marissa, my, my opinion, just because I see everything in this business and everything else like that. And do I want to sell cars? Yeah. But I, I want to sell you the right car at the right time and help fit your budget and everything else too. The way these cars are today and expensive they are and the way they can't, I tell everybody when I sell you a car, I promise you one thing, it's going to break at some point. Uh, so you want to have some coverage there to cover yourself for a big repair, kind of like Colin was calling in earlier. He spent $1,000 this week on his car and stuff like that too. So I like to, myself, I want to keep that car under warranty or have some extended coverage to cover myself from that part. My personal opinion, the best time to trade that car, if you buy a new car, is trade it before it gets out of the 336. So it's got a lot of value still left. And like Josh said, to the next consumer, what's that car worth and everything else too from that part? If you go past the 336, my next my next comment to everybody is don't let it get over 80,000 miles without some coverage. When it hits over 80, uh, the next consumer, again, looking at that value of that car. But the next thing is the banks. What will they loan on that vehicle? What will the interest rate be? on that vehicle to make that thing worth the value that it's worth. And uh, the next thing I'll tell you is uh, this happened to me a long time ago. I was up in Topeka and I was a service manager up there and a a lady pulled in with a car and it was just, I thought it was time for her to replace it. And that's what I told her. And she got so mad at me because that was the last car that her husband had bought before he died and she wasn't there going to get rid of that car. She just wanted to keep fixing it, fixing it and spending money on it. So that's where the difference comes into play. And I learned that a long time ago, not to try to judge, judge that situation. But if you ask me, I'm going to tell you, but I was trying to, th- I thought I was trying to help that lady not to stop spending so much money on this car and get a different car. And I thought she'd be better ahead, but she was not going to sell it because it was the last car. And I get that. There was a lot of sentimental value attached to it and it didn't matter. It didn't matter. She yeah. was going to spend the money. So I kept fixing the car for her and kept it running. And I, took care of her for many many years after that from that part so everybody's a little different that part but still back to dollar for dollar if you buy a new car trade it before the 336 if you're going to drive it longer than that or whatever make sure you have some extended coverage and make sure it's a good coverage don't don't listen to these people on tv trying to sell you a warning or something that comes in the mail buy it from a dealer that has a reputable program behind it like we have and a lot of dealers do have but there's some not so good warnings out there to help you cover yourself uh from that part but that's that's my opinion Okay, that's good information though, because I, you know, and maybe, I don't know, $500 into it, maybe every three months, you know, new tires, getting the oil changed, um, my door handle broke off of one of them, you know, just keep making sure it stays nice. But right now I think it's obtainable, but I drive 40 minutes into work. So I wonder when am I going to need something more newer, I guess. Yeah. So what are you driving now again? Uh, a 2007 Ford Focus. Yep, I got it. So, uh, and you're driving 40 miles each way. How many miles is on the Focus? Uh, like 220,000. Okay, Marissa, I hate to tell you, you're 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 on borrowed time with that car. Just not trying to be mean, not trying to be uh, from that part. But if you've got that many miles on it, it's about anything can break at that point in time because those cars were designed to be about 150,000 mile cars. So you've done a great job with it, making it get 200 out of it. Okay. Uh, from that part. Yeah. So you're, like I said, you're on borrowed time with that <laughs> thing, but it's done you well. It sounds like to get 200,000 miles on it too. So, well, and then the other thing too, 
to that point is there's not going to be a whole lot of residual value in that in that vehicle and no. so really driving it until yeah. until something breaks like you're you're really not losing anything at that point right the, the only downside to that is driving it until something breaks is there's going to be a point in which something broke on it and it's going to leave you wherever that stranded broke, you know yeah. and so as long as you're i guess somewhat kind of prepared for that and then the other thing too is that okay now the car's broke something's broke financially like i'm am, am i in a place to now do something different uh as long as you're kind of preparing for that you know there's probably nothing wrong with that right exactly yeah exactly so well, anyway, Marissa, I hope we've helped you. Uh, if you got some more questions or would love to sit down in person and go through some stuff to try to help you too, love to do that too, uh, to help figure out exactly your situation, some budget things you might have or whatever, and and uh, from that part. And we might, we might find out, you know what, like Josh said, drive it till it does break uh, from that part. Yeah, and it has like custom sheets, all ST, like stuff going throughout it, racing pedals, so, you know. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Those Ford Focus groups. So. And the next thing is, Marissa, here's the next thing is that package we just mailed out to you. We're going to give you a multi point inspection. We'll go through that car and give it a health check. Let's kind of check it over and just kind of see what we think, how many more miles you can get out of it. Okay, thanks. All right. Great question, Marissa. Thanks for the comments and stuff and uh, appreciate the call very much. Okay, bye. Bye. So I want to kind of expand on that just a little bit, <clears throat> a little bit more. You know, when you talk about, uh, uh, when's time to trade or timing on trading? Uh, you had brought up something, you know, that uh, I don't think a lot of consumers really even think about, and that is the lending side of it. Is that yep. if you're having to lend on something, like what do you see uh, as far as from lenders? When do they become uncomfortable on lending on something? You know, is it time? Is it age of vehicle? Is it miles? And then also, I don't think consumers understand or realize is that, you know, if um, financing on a new vehicle, you get different interest rates than, you know, one that's a couple years old versus one that's five or six years old. You know, there's there's tiers to that. And at some point, they just say no. Yeah. You know, and it's it's the risk the lender has to take. So let's take that car that's got, say, 100,000 miles on it. You want to put it like the standard deal is a 72-month note. Because that car going to last that long for you? So that's where the risk is to that lender is, okay, what's your credit score? Where are you at? What's your payment history? Are you going to make the payments? <clears throat> or if the car breaks down and stops, you stop paying. Yeah. And then the bank's hung from that part. But it is. Every time the car gets older, the higher interest rate goes because the risk is there for that lender to make sure you make all those payments or from that part. So that's where... Where I brought in the 336, that's where I brought in the 80,000 miles because that second owner, the next owner. So I, just, I can tell everybody, you don't need to think about what's good for you. You need to think what's good for that second owner. So when you're ready to trade it, you have the right proper value of your car uh, and keep the, I mean, the car is a depreciated asset. I get it. But trade it when it's worth the most money. And yeah. And I also think too, like even if somebody was looking at ordering a brand new vehicle, Yep. You know, th that should come into play when you're ordering it, too. You may not want that option. But the next but, buyer does. But the next buyer does. And, and I, I, you know, I get into that with, like, four-wheel drive and sunroofs all the time. You know, four-wheel drives, every, you know, that's pretty common for a vehicle to have four-wheel drive anymore. And You know, and when I sit down with, with customers to order cars and stuff like that, I will put them and tell them, you need to do this or you don't need it. Sometimes they'll say, yeah, I get it. Sometimes they don't. But I got to offer it to you. I got to give you my opinion for what I see when I do this every day. And been doing it forever, and you are right. Just take like a high end platinum truck, and a guy say, you know, I don't, I don't use a sunroof, I don't want it. I get it, but the next guy that's going to trade it is, and that truck's going to be worth so much less value. You'll get your money back out of that sunroof again, and it's going to be more valuable to that next to the second owner than it is yeah. to you. I get it. You don't use it. I don't hardly use them either, uh, from that part. But I just know what the resale value is when that truck's sitting there when it has it. Later when it does on. have it, yeah. What to uh, part? You know, I can think of. Uh, a couple vehicles that we've had out of here on a lot that have sat around for, you know, a substantial amount of time just because of the way they were equipped. Oh, you yeah. Know, if, if it was yeah. equipped just a little bit different, like it would be a fast moving item. You know, I can think of a, a Tahoe that we had. You guys think of the same Tahoe. <laughs> they, they didn't, didn't have, have a third row seat in it. third row seat. Sat here forever. Because who wants a Tahoe without a third row seat? Well, we finally found somebody. Like I said, there's an ask for every yeah. seat, but. It's, it just takes you out of that. It puts you in more of a niche market for sure. It does. Uh, and then, you know, so going back to the, uh, 
going back to the the time and mileage side on the lending side, I mean, is there like a mileage that you really just see lenders just say no, re- should, regardless yeah. of credit? You know, we when we trade for a car. We we look at that and value that in into the in, into the value of that car. Uh, but one fifty, we're chucking the cars. We're, yeah. we're wholesaling. We're getting rid because we don't have a lender that will own any kind of money whatsoever. If they do, the interest is going to be so high that we can go back to a hundred thousand mile car yeah. and give you about the same payment to help you with your, that situation. So when we get to those cars, that's why Josh, when we walk those cars every day, we evaluate where we're at, what we're going to do, uh, that sort of thing. But there is just hardly any lenders. And think about it, if you're a lender, would you sure. want to loan somebody some oh, money yeah. on a hundred well, thousand? Especially, car? you know, the, the expense of it, to, you're talking six years, Yeah, you know, I mean, and if the average consumer is driving, you know, I think now it's what, 15,000 a year, yeah. pretty much. That, that's a, that's a chunk of miles uh, yeah. on that vehicle for sure. So anyway, uh, let's go through some the chat line here. And uh, Jeff's got a great question. I want to debate that here in a minute. Jim Petty, good morning. JR, good morning. And uh, let's go through uh, 23 Expedition 3.5. Is the performance economy better with 93 octane versus 87 octane worth the difference in the price for the fuel? Okay. Here's been on my analogy all along with that, Jeff. And I I, th- I would love you to do a test and, and, and see what it does. but Always what that car needs, octane, is all you need to put in it. So if it says it only needs 87, that's all you need to put in it. Don't put the 93 in it or 91 or whatever because that engine can't burn all that fuel in there and you're just producing extra carbon on top of the pistons, the valves, and everything else. But in these turbo cars, I do believe that there is a better performance with the higher octane fuel. I've tested it myself, but the thing I haven't done is put the pencil to it and see a full tank, you know, run it down pretty low, which I hate doing that too, because that's hard on the fuel pumps, running them low. But to give a good test, you have to have a full tank of 93 and a full tank of 87 and run it and see what your mileage does and and everything from that part. I'm going to almost bet before I even tell you, say anything, that for the extra difference in the higher octane fuel, it's probably going to be a wash, but you're going to have some better performance. And I do believe there's a better, I can tell the difference in the performance when I put the premium in versus the not. I've just never done a test of, well, I think the same uh, seems to be true about going from uh, like an E85 uh, vehicle yep. that's equipped for E85 to regular unleaded. Like what what you spend less in, you lose in fuel economy. Fuel economy. So it's probably you know, a washing it. And I think uh, I think that's to be said both ways. And my thing with that part of it is I love ethanol to support our farmers is what I want. But the car has got to be designed and set up to run it to get your best benefits out of that. Sure. Can some cars run on it and be okay and everything? Sure, they can. Not every car is that way, though. Uh, but if the car is designed to have that E85, run it. Because so, I'm telling you, it's good for everything in that part of the of the situation. And here's where I'm at with the uh, with, uh, 87 versus 91 octane is that, you know, when you go to a fuel station, um, I, if I, if I ran 91 octane, I think I'd have to be very specific in where I bought my fuel, because I think a lot of times that fuel sits in the tank. It's old. At it, the it, fuel it station 100%. so much more just because 87 is so much more higher volume, higher moving. Yep. And, and so it's fresher fuel. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, so that would be one thing that, uh, if I ran, uh, 91, I think I'd have to be very selective in where I got that fuel from. And I agree with you that too, Josh. And that's kind of where I was years ago on premium because I really did think that premium fuel would set and got old. But I think today, I think more cars are running these turbos and yeah. things like that. And I think more people are buying more premium. Uh, I kind of watch now at this when I'm over there at the QT filling up and stuff. And there is more people buying that. I and uh, But there's still a group of us out there that want to find the cheapest fuel we can. Like we had to hear a couple shows ago where they were finding the, the – uh, ethanol fuels what that yeah. ended up being at a cheaper rate and i get that but again the trade-off i don't know but jeff it'd be interesting to see if you could go get a tank of 87 make sure that's what's in it run that tank through and see what kind of performance you got and see what kind of fuel mileage you got and then run that down and put a tank uh, kind of of 93 in it run it through and kind of see where it's at but uh, i do know the performance is going to be better i promise you that it's going to be better on a turbo car now but if that was a car that was dying only for 87 i don't think you see a bit of performance improvement there's so many variables that go into fuel economy. Uh, you know, you think about, uh, well, I mean, just for one, the age of fuel, like we just talked about, then two, like what's the, what's the quality of that fuel? Yeah. It's 87 octane, but was it 
cut with, you know, 8% ethanol, 5% ethanol, not, yeah. not to mention the other characteristics that, that make up, uh, <clears throat> the fuel. So just the, the quality in general, but then you talk about, uh, so many, uh, aspects of environmental, uh, aspects, you know, what was the wind like <laughs> that when you were driving through that tank or road conditions or temperature, and then, you know, okay, condition of vehicle, tire pressures, how, how are the tire, what conditions the air filter in, where are we at on spark plugs? Oh, like yeah. There's, there's so many variables that go into a fuel consumption issue. Uh, it's, it's very, very hard to make that an exact science. It is. It's very true. And, and uh, Brian asked there, should we be running premium in the EcoBoost? <clears throat> look at that. All these EcoBoosts are different, Brian, too. And the look at the fuel lid where you put your fuel in and see what it says. Yeah, 80, 87 octane is the large majority of what yeah. EcoBoosts need to run. Uh, but will it help putting the premium in it? I truly believe. I know that for a fact that you get better performance with the premium in the EcoBoost motors. Uh, but if it says 87 uh, on your fuel cap, and it's an EcoBoost, I would only put 87 octane fuel in that car because uh, that engine was designed for that kind of octane. And just to kind of explain what's happening with octane, when you put the higher octane fuel in there, when you the spark hits the cylinder, the 87 octane burns for split seconds. The 93 octane will burn for just a few more milliseconds. So it's burning longer because it has to to have that extra compression that's inside that cylinder. But if you hit that thing and it needs 87 and you just put 93 in and a hit, spark hits there there's going to be so much unburned fuel and that's where you're building up that excess carbon and stuff inside that cylinder so if that EcoBoost doesn't have anything on there put the 93 in it see what it does how you see how it performs for you and see what kind of fuel economy you get better than what you were doing before uh, but uh, if it says 87 only put 87 in it don't put anything else inside that car whatsoever but again you know you talk about quality of fuel and stuff Josh here's just the other day I had a good customer of ours his daughter's going to school and uh, she's cruising down the road. She just left. And guess what? Check in and like, come on. So I try to find her a place. She's in Oklahoma. Find a shop. They look at it. Say, oh, it's it's running lean. It needs an oxygen sensor code. And they put an oxygen sensor in it. She, okay, good. It's easy fix. No big deal. Trucks down the road again. Guess what? Comes back on. Comes back on again. So now she's, I don't remember where she's, Arkansas, somewhere. So we find another shop. They get in there. Hey, it's the same code. Well, they just put an oxygen sensor in it. Well, it's probably the wiring. Well, that was a guess. They didn't want to help her. That's all that amounts to. So I limped her along. And after I sat her going to all these different towns, guess what we figured out what, uh, all along what was wrong? Had uh, fuel in it. Picked up a bad tank of fuel yeah. before she left. They were at Living Newton. She picked up a bad tank of fuel in Newton. It took that much to get enough fuel through that. So the time I got her, she was going down to Florida. And the time I got her in the state of Florida, guess what happened? It was fine. Running fine. Light was off. Everything was gone. So then I went and I called our BG guys. I said, hey, I need some 44K. Where can she pick up some 44K? Because naturally we need to get that yeah. clean, clean the fuel system the best we can. And I uh, found her a shop. They went in, put a can of 44K in it. Talked to her the other day. Still running fine. So it can happen anywhere. Yeah. Anybody can get bad fuel or whatever. And it'll, it'll throw you for a loop. Just like that one. They say it was running lean. Yeah, because it got bad fuel. Can 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 pick up the uh, right emissions coming down the tailpipe. So it was, that it was an oxygen sensor. But so it's all kind of things that drive kind of drive you crazy and everything else too. So, <clears throat> and yeah, Jeff. So what you're saying is we need some Mel Hamilton racing fuel for it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll go to that too. I mean, I still remember when I finally took my GT500 to the strip and we put some Renegade fuel in the car. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that that car loves that premium, loves that high octane fuel. Well, and so here's here's the thing that I have with that too is that. When you when you change something in a vehicle that you can feel it and see to the pants, like yeah. it takes a lot of it takes a lot of change in horsepower or torque to be able to feel it in see to pants. Yes, it is on a vehicle. By the time it goes through the powertrain and actually hits the ground and stuff yeah. like that, I mean you're talking at least 30, 35 horsepower. Exactly, and an average consumer can't feel that uh, 30, yeah. 30 to forty horsepower. You will not feel that. You just can't, especially especially like in Jeff's situation in a big expedition like that part too. But I still think, you, Jeff, you're going to see a, a improved performance, and I do think you're going to see a better fuel economy with the 93 octane fuel. I think of, you know, back in the day adding, uh, you know, like tunes and K&N air filters and stuff like that to, to vehicles. Um, and 
you you I think you got the illusion that it added so much more horsepower just because it sounded different or like exhaust or something like that. But to actually f- to actually notice a difference uh, in seat of the pants, it takes it takes a substantial amount of change to be able to do that. Okay, now Jeff, uh, here at the dealership we have this bus, <laughs> and Jeff, I always tell everybody, you know, most school buses are sixty passenger buses. But for some reason, the one we got around here has got about a 120-passenger bus because someone's got the keys to that thing, and someone likes to drive the bus over somebody somewhere there's, all the time. <laughs> there's very I, few people in the bus. There's yeah. really more people under the bus. Yeah, so, Jeff, I tried to hide the keys, but someone got the keys from me, and they're trying to tell me that really your real problem with your fuel economy is your right foot. It's just a little too heavy. So I don't know who's trying to drag you in the grease here or whatever but someone's trying to drive you in the, in the ground there jeff so just saying so you know, if you need need the keys sometime to drive the bus over something just let me know I'll, i can get it for you pretty quick unless josh just stole the keys but i think at one time we got the thing yeah, just hot wired it just never shuts off all the time <laughs> so anyway so that's one thing that uh you know when you talk about fuel economy is that for me i mean i'm not going to sit and argue with the vehicle on it should have got better fuel economy. <laughs> I'm going to put my foot down and I'm going to fill it up when it needs fuel. And, I'm yeah. gonna... and, and that's true. That's, that's kind of where I'm at too. That's why I, I tell you, I can tell the performances in these vehicles, but I, I don't really pay attention to the fuel economy either. And I will tell you, I do like it when I get into a hybrid or something like that to try to see what it does do. It's, it's amazing for me. You know, it's, it's almost like a video game. You, you hop in something, um, um, you know, fully electric or a, a hybrid. And it's like, you're, it's a mindset thing. It really is. It's the, at that point, it's like, okay, what, how, how far can I take this? How much fuel economy can I get out of it? But then you get in a gas vehicle and I'm yeah, going yeah. from point A to point B. And if we need fuel, we're going to stop and get it. It's like Jake, he drives that modified and goes like hell in that thing. We get in his truck. He's got the thing in eco mode. And I tell him, come on, let's go. We got things to do. He's trying to get the best fuel economy. I know. I got things to do. I don't care what kind of fuel economy. Get that thing into sport mode and let's go. I'll I'll give you a couple bucks for gas. Gas is all green for the eco and he's putting around. I said, come on. There was the fusion, I think. It had a a tree. The tree would grow better for you. The tree would grow on the dash, the better fuel economy that you got for the thing. yeah no i got to go i got things to do people to see i don't need to be hanging around trying to feel kind of fuel economy i get now i will tell you there was one night i did take a hybrid truck and drive it home and uh and i got 30 miles to the gallon of that truck now granted i was in eco and yes i coasted i did everything i drove as soft as i could accelerated as slow as i could and i got 30 miles a gallon in town now i will tell you right now with one and not paying any attention to it what I do like about the F-150, it's got this trip. So every time the key starts and shuts off, it gives you that trip at the, at the end of that of that drive. And I leave that up there all the time. And uh, if I drive a normal EcoBoost, you know, it's 15, 16. With this hybrid, I mean, I'm getting 21, 22. Yeah. So I love that. So that's why I guess that's – but again, and that's not trying to get fuel economy. That's just not, that's, that's just me going and driving and, and making it happen. So those hybrids – are very cool. You know, we got me and Lisa, we're headed over to Hutch. We've got to talk about that too. Last night was our 12th year to give a car away to Hutch Hospice. And it was so great for the person that really won the car, really, really needed a car. So that was very cool. She had a proxy there. She couldn't be there last night. Uh, but we had a great event over at the Hutch Hospice. And I know they raised a lot of money for that. And I hate to say as much as we all going to need that service at some point in time uh, from that part. But uh, had a great event over at Hutch yesterday and gave away a Ford Escape to uh, a very lucky person and they sent me a picture of her last night when she finally got to the car and stuff very excited and everything else too so we do the uh you know start out or hand out 10 keys to that thing and yeah you know you never ever ever want it to be the last key but you Dang know. it was the first key last <laughs> night too and i don't know I, the the first key like it really the intense or the the buildup uh, is kind of lost a little when it's on the first key, but you sure don't want it to be the last one. No, no. <laughs> I was standing there and I seen that key turn. I went, oh, no. <laughs> but, but still, it's very excited for that yeah. and very excited for the uh, lady that's getting the car. Uh, her boss came up to me and said, man, this couldn't happen to a better person and stuff. So that's the best part about giving sure. cars away yep. is getting that center. So anyway, we were, Lisa and I went away over there yesterday driving, and we got into a debate about these electric cars in the debate of hybrids and in the ice cars and everything else like that too. And I was on a phone call after we got back from Ford this week and 
on my FDF board, and we were talking about these Mach-E's and the Lightning. Because we're going to have, finally going to have some good stock in about 60 days. Yes. I got Mach-E's on the ground now. We've never had that forever. I got some Lightning's on the ground. But, I mean, we've got them coming uh, to the tune of about 30 Lightning's and about 20 Mach-E's that are coming. We'll be here in 30 to 60, 90 days. And we got into debate, and we kind of had the debate on the FDF call, too, about these electric cars. Because is our part of the country ready for electric? Don't think so. Is there still a niche there for those electric cars? Yes, I agree there is. But here's a stat I want everybody to think about for a minute. We all love our ice cars. We all love our F-150s. We love our Super Duties, all that kind of stuff. But these cafe ratings that the government is making the manufacturers hit is getting so crazy. That's why we need e-cars out there. So for every Mach-E that is sold, that makes it easy for four F-150s to be produced because of that cafe rating from where we're sitting there from that part. So we've had a debate. I wish Ford would push harder into hybrid and then all electric from that part instead of pushing so hard in electric. But you think about that. Well, but then it would only go to two, two, probably two F-150s instead of four four. F-150s. So that's kind of this analogy that I kind of all of a sudden changed my mindset a little bit. So I'm going back to now is it's kind of like I drove that lightning over the winter. And it worked perfectly fine for me. Yeah, and there's a lot of consumers for the day to day operation that that would that would be okay. Exactly, and uh, so we've got to get a mindset here. If we still want to keep driving our super duties, and we don't keep driving our F one expeditions and expeditions, yeah. we got to do that. So what I'm looking forward to is trying to help people have a F one fifty set in their garage and have a Mach E set in their garage, or have yeah. a Lightning set in their garage, so we can keep building these ice vehicles that we need to build. From that part, but one Mach-E makes it so they can produce four F-150s. So hybrid, probably two yeah. from that part. So got to have a little different mindset. I want to. I want these electric vehicles to work like anybody else does. Uh, I think there's still a lot of unknowns. I think there's still the infrastructure has still got to be built a little bit better. But I do think the, the idea of the car and, you know, you have all kinds of debates about how many more emissions electric car takes to build and the batteries and all that kind of stuff, everything too. Uh, but again, this cafe rating is crazy. Next debate can get into too, is you take these electric cars, where's the, where's the tax money going to come out of the fuel for the roads? Yeah. So there's, I mean, there's all kinds of debates and where we got to go and what's going to happen. And I, what we're doing today with electric cars is going to be different in a year. It's going to be different too. It's going to be different three, four, and five years down the road, how much different they will be. Because I think they'll eventually have it to where they'll charge so much faster, and I think they'll have a better infrastructure out there for sure. In a longer range of fuel yeah. is what I think. Yeah. So anyway, Delbert wants to talk about flex plates. I'm not sure why he wants to talk about flex plates. Oh, uh, so he sent me a video the other day. He's oh, got yeah. he's got flex plate problems. <laughs> so yeah, he uh has a fusion with right around a hundred thousand miles on it and got a got a cracked up flex plate it sounded like from the video so he was going to get that in down there and see well, what it sounds to me like delbert hundred thousand miles in old fusion about time to get to get you a new, <laughs> get you a new uh uber car for yourselves which you need buddy get you a hybrid escape there you go yeah so they're coming yet too. So anyway, so lots of debates about the electric, lots about that. And uh, so Delbert, I don't know the flex plate teeth wore off of it. Did it crack uh, no, out? I think it cracked it was by the sounds of the video, but again, he was going to get that in somewhere and have him take a look at it and see. It's kind of rare to see a flex plate on it. Yeah. Yeah. It has happened before, but it's not, uh, not a it's common, not super common, not a super common deal there either. So anyway, uh, Josh, uh, okay. We, uh, we didn't talk at all about, uh, a Mustang, yeah, yeah. The uh, of course it's out there now. The Mustang GTD, and uh, so we got to see it first. I would say in that show on Monday, because uh, we were the first group to go through. But Ford is bringing out a supercar. Um, I'm shocked at how much it is. To be honest with you, but that's okay. But I guess when you look at what's in the car and everything else too, it's, yeah. it's also co-branded or not co-branded, co-built with the same company that helped build the the Ford GT. Um, Multimatic, and uh, they've got a suspension system under like for an F1 car. The body is a carbon fiber car, whole carbon fiber. It's got an 800 horsepower motor, uh, and it's got uh, the 50 50 weight ratio exactly perfect, which is what you want in a car to handle correctly. Basically, did that by moving the transaxle to the back. So, carbon fiber, then cantilever suspension. Yeah, that's the F1. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's got a 
electronically way you can change that suspension in multi-seconds to make the car do different stuff but uh they went they spared no expense on this car they want to go out and they want to beat the porsches and the ferraris and all that kind of stuff and a lot of people are saying this is not going to compete with the corvette why (laughs) i don't know how you can even figure that out come on bring it on i mean i think the gt500 outruns some of them corvettes let's put this up to speed but it's a three hundred thousand dollar car i figured 200 when i first saw it yeah uh, but three hundred grand, and uh, that's the base price. I don't know what all they're going to uh, put in there for options and stuff too. But oh, the magnesium wheels—that's the other thing. That's that's an the old carbon ceramic brakes, uh, twenty-inch brakes on it. Which yeah, is, twenty-inch brakes. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, so uh, pretty huge uh, thing there for Ford. I don't know what the, I still haven't heard what GTD stands for. So there's speculation that it is get things done. There's speculations. Nobody's yeah. nobody said that, but that's uh, again. Yeah, who Tim, knows? Tim thinks I need another. Going to need another bubble. I don't know. Three hundred grand uh, for a car. <laughs> Yee. I was uh, I was trying to use his credit card when we were out there <laughs> and get him on the list. So it was just for his good, for his own good, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, wasn't fond of the color they showed us, but I'm sure that. You know, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm guessing that that might be an option. Well, I'm know, sure it's an option. Aside yeah. from that. You probably don't get a whole lot of options after color, I would guess. Well, I don't know that because that's where they're saying base price three hundred grand. I think the magnesium magnesium wheel is going to be an ad. I took it as the as when they said that. I took that as in that was the mostly equipped vehicle, and it was three hundred grand. But I don't know. Maybe I'm yeah. Who knows? Incorrect on that. I too. guess we'll get more information, more data as it goes down. To do. the other thing is, I've heard again, it's all speculation and rumor. Again, they're going to build a thousand of them. Oh, really? Yeah, I would figure. I thought a couple hundred. Yeah. Uh, but a bit, you know, who knows if the thousands correct, but uh, a lot of people say, who cares? You know, not going to see them on the streets and stuff. But they build a thousand. I think you'll see them yeah. uh, uh, from that part. And then Ford, after we showed it to us, then they had a private meeting and one of our customers got invited. I was kind of ticked. Yep. We didn't know that he was getting invited up to that deal. But he sent me a picture in there after, our, after they showed it to us. In the private meeting, he's going to get one. So we're going to have one here at Mel Hamilton Ford, and, and he's also the same person that got the first GT, GT. we ever had. So uh, we'll have a party for that when it gets here and then uh, everything else, too, to have fun with that car. But uh, get things done. That sounds pretty good, but uh, I wonder if that's really what it is. I don't yeah. know. Ford didn't say either when they did were not. at the meeting. They did not yeah. tell us what that was or what from that part. So go check that out. GTD, it is a pretty – it does look pretty wicked. I do think it's a badass car. And then that the C-pillar spoiler hooked off the back instead of being on the deck lid it's on the c pillars where that it's spoiler's up, at and yep, it's in, in the air higher. too yeah it's 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 up in the car <laughs> but i do i think they did no expense spared and uh went after that thing and well, i think they built a race car and then put a body on put it put a mustang what, body on it. <laughs> yeah what, i mean you know I, I don't i don't know is that there's a it's it's built for purpose for sure yeah and they showed that thing in uh the video that i that was showed us was he was on water and i mean that thing just slide it just went right through like it was nothing sliding through those cones and stuff it was pretty cool so love to have heard it in person what it yeah, sounded like in person yeah. too uh from that part but uh, a lot of exciting things coming from ford and uh that's one thing i do like we do have the freshest lineup of any yeah. automatic auto manufacturer in the in the united states right now and got a lot of things coming and stuff too a lot of unknowns a lot of other things too but that's something we can have a uh and uh, we can look have some more debates on later and future shows and stuff like that too. Brian, should I just Google it? That thing is sick. Yes, it is. <laughs> it, it, it does look pretty cool. Now the other thing is, I the uh, louvers on the side of the front fenders. I'm not sure if those are active. I bet they have to be I, active yeah, to I be able to for cooling purposes would be to get guess. the heat out, yeah. heat out of the motor, and get the heat out of the brakes, and then air through, transfer through that car too. Yeah, but. Uh, yeah, I would love to have one of those, but I don't know, 300 grand. I can think of a lot of things I can spend 300 grand on instead of a car, especially one sitting in the bubble. <laughs> so anyway, well, anyway, Josh, have we covered everything for this week? Yeah, it's been a, it's been a crazy week, fast week, everything else too. So, uh, uh, can I think of anything else in that part? I think we've kind of recapped the week for sure. And, you know, we, we definitely need to thank our sponsors for sure. Yeah, we need to do that. So, uh, yes, um, uh, BG Products, and again, uh, you know, me and Lisa were talking about them on the way over to, to Hutch last night, too. The great partnership with those guys, everything we've done with them over the years and stuff. And uh, sorry we missed to go see Mr. Task over there, but we had other things a little bit more important yeah. than that, uh, that they had Mr. Bob Task. And then he goes up to Topeka and smokes them up, wins it in Topeka, which is pretty cool. Uh, he was there at our show, too. I seen him. Bob Task was going through the crowd. I didn't yeah. get close to him enough to 
say hi to him or anything else. Because so, so many people there at the at our show and Congratulating stuff. Congratulating him for his Wally, I'm sure. So oh, he uh, was carrying it around, I think. Oh, uh, was he? Yeah. Yeah. So David uh, Gray uh, went down and had lunch with him. So that's the second time he's done that. And he said, I don't know what the deal is. Every time I go have lunch with Bob Tasca, he, he wins up in Topeka. So I said, well, if you tell him that, you might be part of, be part of the crew chief or part of the crew then. So. Yeah, something like that, right? David would love to be on that yeah. crew. Of course, uh, a lot of us would love to be on yeah. that crew. I'd love to just go down there and just don't, just give me about an eighth of the throttle. Let me try to run that thing. Oh, you know, that'd be enough for me to go down the track. I don't want to take that thing because I probably put it in the wall uh, from that part. So anyway, yeah, great partnership with BG Products. Those guys do a lot of good stuff of keeping your car running many, many more miles. And that's when they release on top. What are they going to do about electric cars? You know what? There's still a cooling system yeah, yeah. in service in there that helps keep those batteries cool and stuff like that. You're still going to have to take care of it. Like I told Lisa, really on the electric cars, all we're missing is a normal maintenance on the engines and transmissions. Everything else is still there. Just like a normal car, everything else, some of that part. We still got window motors. We still got AC system. We still got a cooling system. We still got all the electronics and everything else in the car, just like anything else, too. So, uh, anyway, GTT racing class for cars built, GT3 technical regulations. Yeah, it's it's a pretty cool car. I just still don't know what GTD stands for. I don't know. Maybe there is something there that Jeff found. GTD name refers to IMSA. GTD racing class for cars built in FIA GT3 oh, technical gotcha. regulations. Okay, well, I know it's going to be a bad car, and I can't wait to see it go at 24 hours of Le Mans and yeah. in 24 hours of Daytona because you know that car will be there in all those different race classes and stuff, too. So, anyway, uh, the corner Karate for all your advertising needs. Hey, if you got a company or you need a web page design, you need any kind of advertising whatsoever, Jesse's got a great crew of people down there. Yes, it started out Big Corner Creative just to be from Mel Hamilton Ford. Now Jesse's taking that over and takes care of so many companies and stuff like that, too. So if you need a vehicle wrapped, windows wrapped, uh, race car wraps, uh, window tent, anything like that to help advertise your business, don't hesitate to call Jesse down at Big Corner Creative. As those guys say, just Google us. Hey, the uh, summertime's about over, Josh. I hate to say it, but it is crazy. Right around flying the corner. The year. But anyway, if you're thinking about the holidays, think coming up, need something rental, uh, 12 or 15 passenger van stand. I've got him booked back up again with plenty of vehicles over there for him. We're back over 100 again. So he's got plenty of vehicles. If you need to rent something, something bigger, just don't want to put the miles in your car, give Stan a call right inside Melhound Ford at GoToRent. Anyway, everybody have a great Saturday. Love all the comments. Love all the good stuff. And uh, everybody, we'll talk to you next Saturday. <laughs>